Hey everyone, welcome to Spawncast episode 304. John is super sick, so you'll probably hear me a little more than him right now. I uh, feel fine. Got... <laughs> <laughs> sound like shit. I sound, I sound like Today on Jackass, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> this episode of Jackass. This guy's about to drink mustard or snort it. My voice box is frozen, everyone, so I gotta I gotta give it 24 hours, hopefully, and that'll be good. And I, yep, and I guess we can go around otherwise. Uh, so Dreamcast guy, what you been up to? Anything good? Lots of dead space. I platinumed it. I did four separate playthroughs. I beat it on impossible. I upgraded every weapon. It's been a fun week of just all dead space. Not bad. MVG? Uh, yeah, I've been playing dead space as well. Um, I'm on chapter 10, so I'm getting close, getting close. Um, and once I'm done with that, I'm going to jump onto Hi-Fi Rush because I heard people really like that game. Not bad. Not bad. Nate actually has power, so that's always good. He'll be here to weigh in on some things. Uh, I guess. That's right. Yeah. You we'll, didn't we'll try Steve-o. to. You didn't ask Steve what he was doing. I'm trying to save your life, man. Yeah, hey, man. Save your I voice. I beat Dead Space. It was good. Go ahead. <laughs> Solid. Right, Famous I'm... last words. I'm going to open with a, at least a couple quick Discord questions so we can knock them out of the park. What franchise is struggling the most? Far Cry, Sonic, or Halo? Ooh. I mean, it's got to be Halo Ooh. by a long shot. That's, I mean, that's actually a pretty uh, tough question yeah. to answer. I mean, Halo's thriving when you look at like the multiplayer game, the uh, multiplayer in terms of gameplay. It's struggling when it comes to campaign delivery. Sonic seems to, as though it's found its footing with Sonic Frontiers a bit and. Far Cry just feels formulaic, so it depends on how you really want to quantify the question in terms of struggling. Far Cry sells. Halo. Yeah. I, Far Cry sells. Like, even a bad-selling Far Cry is still selling millions of yeah. units. Mm. Not bad. Uh, and what new take or genre for Kirby would you like to see? I'd want to see them expand more upon the 3D element like, that we like, saw them introduce with the last game but i would want to see it on a grander scale where like we first person have shooter? more of an open world exploration than the linear 3d approach yeah i i think bigger uh, it'd be interesting to see bigger because i i mostly played the 2d kirby's back on game boy specifically so i think it'd be interesting to see it keep the like uh yeah forgotten land was the biggest yet mm. so let's go bigger than that mm-hmm not bad, not bad. So recently, I guess we've had a couple interesting things go down. Uh, I know a lot of us like to rag on live service games and constantly point them out as an issue. And we're, I guess, starting to see a lot of that kind of come around as just tons of titles are getting knocked out. I mean, we got the list here so far of like Apex Legends Mobile, Battlefield Mobile, Crossfire X, Dragon Quest, The Adventures of Die, uh, Echo VR, Knockout City, and Rumbleverse. So yeah, uh, it looks like Sony's still currently planning on as many as 10 live services games coming out over the next five to six years. But do we think this kind of burst of just shutdowns might, I guess, halt some of these companies' ideas on moving forward with live service games? I mean, it's Ooh. a really interesting question, especially for Sony, knowing how heavily they're investing in that sector at the current time and you would imagine that maybe some of the projects that are still very early in development they may be giving a second look but we know a lot of those games are deep into development if not on the precipice of releasing within the coming fiscal year for them so those titles have to come to market but as a consumer you definitely have to approach them with some caution of whether or not they're going to be available for the long term and out of the announced games that sony has put out there you'd have to imagine that the last of us factions would likely be the one to find a strong foundation and really retain its base. But you have titles like Twisted Metal that have entered development and is rumored to be a live service game. Is that going to have a player base that remains engaged for the long term? Or is that going to be one of those titles that we see shut down within the first 24 months? And, you know, Sony definitely has to approach this very carefully. They are investing heavily into it. And when you see this mass amount of shutdowns, you really have to be questioning, is it worth that hundreds of millions of dollars of investment at this time? Or if you should maybe pivot and implement a single player mode that you can retain for the long term and sell and appeal to that base that you have built up with God of War, Ghost of Tsushima, and other strong single player titles that the PlayStation 
has become renowned for over the generation dating back to PlayStation 4. I think the problem is because there's been there's been a bunch of leaks talking about uh, the Horizon Forbidden West Horizon spinoff uh, uh, games as a service. And it looks like it's going to be uh, like Monster Hunter. You and other Horizon people are going to break stuff apart and craft with it. There's been a lot of talks about how uh, The Last of Us factions games as a service is going to have characters and story and cutscenes along with crafting and pvp and stuff i think my problem with games as a service and the reason so many of them are hitting the wall is because they're just such big time sinks every games as a service doesn't want you to play any other game it wants you to only play that only spend their microtransactions, only level up their skills, only want to play their patches. And I think that people are kind of burning out of that. Like whether it is hardcore or casual, I think that people enjoy the spice of life. Indie games keep getting better. Uh, AAA stuff keeps getting bigger. I feel like people enjoy the fact that you could play five or six games in a year that are all great instead of one games as a service. That even if it's great, it's still just one games as a service. I think also to add to that, Max, you know, you- these these uh, live service games have to continue to offer content, and I think a lot of them haven't in a mm-hmm. timely fashion, because you have to keep like dangling that carrot and then keep people engaged in your live service game. And look, I don't claim to know anything about some of these games that have been sunset and shut down, whatever. But like at a high level, I just get the feeling that they they kind of launched they were pretty good to to start with but it's that thing where you just have to continue continuously offer content um and you probably have to offer it quicker than normally what you would think because man gamers they tear through content so quickly you know um you know you hear stories about people just racing through games very very fast max you're someone that you know that you basically i chew through a game yeah he speed run games basically right <laughs> um so you know we love you know gamers love content and if you don't offer um pretty much daily content almost it's it's you, it, you know this, this these live service games eventually are bound to just you know fall away i think and um and you're right there are many many games that that are up and coming and um a lot of people just kind of move to something else and maybe they have a desire and a hope to go back to that live service game, but at that point, it's like, and eh, I'm not really into it anymore. I just I've kind of moved on. So I think that's the difficulty of of games as a service, at least the ones that have been sunset. And look, Sony, I think you know, with something like Factions as a live service game, that's going to do really well for them. Let's be honest; it's got the it's got the name behind it. It's got um, you know, it's got Naughty Dog's uh, development as well. But there's no guarantee that in 10 years that factions is still going to be a thing that anyone's going to be playing. Like, we're going to be talking about it. It could just end up in the same pile as these games that that were just um, removed recently. So, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's an interesting concept. It's an interesting experiment. But its longevity, um, you know, is really something that has a lot to be desired. I feel like, you, at the most, you're only going to get a couple of good years out of these games and people are just going to move on to something else at that point. I think one area that we see struggle with some of these live service games, especially the ones that they are shutting down and sunsetting that were announced this week or even just in these opening months of the year is that a lot of these games didn't seem to have a detailed roadmap is that the content that came to them were very sporadic where if you look like at a game like Genshin Impact or in other gotcha games, they have a roadmap planned for a year or more where they know exactly at a month what content they're going to deliver, be it cosmetics or new gameplay ideas. They usually announce they deliver two that. months in advance, yeah. To where give yeah, where games months. like Knockout City, it was just kind of, here's a season for three months, you got a new arena, we'll see you again in a few months and maybe drop a patch of new content. You're not going to retain your base when you're not forthcoming, and that also comes to the development and the publisher side, is that you need basically a year's worth of content, lock and loaded, that mm-hmm. you will be able to deliver immediately upon launch at a on a routine. If you can't do that, your game's not going to find the basing that you need to create longevity 
So it feels as though some of these games came out maybe premature where they are hoping to get a base early and that they would retain that base to allow them to develop new content for the game based on the income from microtransactions and such. And they simply never got that user base and they weren't mm -hmm. able to accumulate those type of funds to justify the development of further content. Were all the games free to play as I far as we know? most of them right well crossfire i know you could you could purchase game the crossfire story and then there was mm -hmm. the game pass yeah. as well yeah maybe <clears throat> multiplayer not too sure past that but well, yeah I, like we, oh, sorry, we were talking yeah. we're talking about like the development side of things for a lot of these games i guess kind of like what with halo has been showing us with uh infinite so far is that the developers I don't, I don't know if they plan for that longevity at least at first it's almost like they do just focus on let's get the thing out and then Ship figure it, it out afterwards it, because right. when they when they announced forge and they started showing it off and we started seeing people playing with forge producing maps at like twice the rate as the developers for the game because mm -hmm. they were just coming out with like one map what every year or two like it was it was so yeah. slow yeah that's the thing and and that's why i used genshin impact as the example is they have content ready for that whole calendar year whereas these other games simply don't have it they're making it as the year is progressing and you have other studios saying 2023 we already have mapped out and by the middle of the year we can begin work for 2024 content if and, we don't have those microtransactions coming in hey we can make a pivot and as as one of the people who still i guess out of all of us plays genshin like you can see when you're playing the new zones like oh i've, I've seen that bush before i've seen like they've they know how to like <laughs> Re reassess. Maybe everything. you're playing too much. If you're recognizing shrubs, no, you probably play too much. But it, it, no, it's it's very clear that it's just reused assets. Like it's all yeah. simplified. Yeah. They they they're cutting out all like the oh let's make everything look hyper detailed and completely yeah. brand new. And they're just like let's make it be a thing that's fun and we don't really care how we get there. And it just seems to speed them up so much faster than other companies. Well, that's why I've always been impressed because Final Fantasy XIV will a lot of times tell you their entire year they'll literally say like hey like what they did with endwalker it's insane they were like hey the game's gonna come out you'll have 50 hours of story 10 new dungeons hard modes will get unlocked in six weeks six weeks after that they released a mode that was basically overwatch overwatch is basically in final fantasy 14 it's called like crystal conflict it's amazing six weeks after that they released like an animal crossing get your own island thing like and it's crazy they just map it out. And I, but yeah, you're right in that it that's so difficult. That requires a huge focused team mm. with a good director and a huge budget mm -hmm. and not everybody constantly getting cycled in and out. I think the biggest problem with most of this stuff is just that everybody's on contract. It's hard to plan if a bunch of people are constantly going in and out. The revolving door does not suit roadmaps. Well, the other yeah. thing about 14 is it's a it's a I mean it's a PS3. It's initially a start out on the PS3, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it, they've had time it, to master it exactly like <laughs> yeah. they weren't they weren't chasing trends they they created the trend you know they were part of that kind of initial batch of mmos like everquest and world of warcraft and all those games asheron's call like like they were there like in those days um you know figuring this stuff out so they have a, a lot of history and they know exactly what they're doing with, with ff14 um but i feel like these these newer games the ones that that we just talked about all of them are kind of chasing trends man like yes. and they've all they've all failed as a result you know if, if you're a studio building a games as a service game then man i i uh i hope that you've got deep pockets you know and you've and, and like nate said you've got like a, at least a one-year roadmap of what you're going to be you know bringing out as far as content because mm -hmm. otherwise you're just going to end up in that pile with with the rest of them and that's the thing with like Final Fantasy fourteen that a lot of these games don't have the luxury of is Final Fantasy fourteen initially failed. They had to yeah. essentially remake the whole game and reboot it, what they did on the PlayStation 4, and then it found success. Yep. And that's when it really took off and has resonated with people for you know all this time. A lot of these companies like EA isn't gonna reboot. Swotor. What's the game? <laughs> There's been rumors. There's been rumors they want to try and do something. They want to reinvent uh, Knights of the Old Republic because apparently the Star Wars fan base is their yeah. focus on single player mm. now. I didn't hate really. Swotor, but you know, it was another <laughs> like, one of those games. Like Knockout City isn't going to be a game that EA is going to say, we'll take the financial hit and we'll let you really, 
you know, deliver, flush things out, and let's see if we can find a base in another year or two. EA is looking at it saying, we lost money. We don't want to lose money. We're shutting it down now and cutting our losses. Yeah. And these count, if you're not willing to take the gamble and actually commit to it, then live service games may not be the right avenue for your publisher. I, I guess last thing for this, uh, historically, we've heard companies like start producing a game and then their, their like parent company goes, that's going to be our next uh, games mm -hmm. as a service so you need to pivot to games as a service do we think it's at all possible in the next year or two that some of these games that have set out as a games as a service are like maybe we can just not stand up servers and make more money just selling it for 40 bucks as a small scale thing and that might start happening instead i think maybe. in some cases I'm... yes it depends on the game yeah i was gonna say the same thing it does depend on the game i mean there's i feel like you know some of the games like crossfire x that has a single player component um probably could have just you know stripped out the single player aspect of it and then just you know relaunched it but i also feel like crossfire x is a game that was never gonna succeed in any yeah. in any capacity so maybe they just took it out the back and just shot it you know some just, of these just feel like a waste of time it. iron galaxy yeah. and ready at dawn both had games canceled yep ready at dawn and they have, and they have very talented developers iron yeah. galaxy yeah. six months I mean, for rumbleverse yeah, it's it's crazy yeah. to think about, and, and I think I mean, you know, the bleeding is not going to stop. I feel like you know, there's I'm not I'm not saying it's going to happen like constantly, but <clears throat> there's going to be another batch of live service games that will ultimately end up in the same bucket yeah. of games. I mean, I think six months felt very preemptive of Epic to pull the plug on it. Epic has deep pockets; they could have invested in Rumbleverse further. They could have given it time to really find its footing and see what it could have became for them to pull the plug that quick. The install base and active base had to be minimal. Yeah. You, I mean, six months is really no time at all. What do you think for a live service game? Go make killer instinct now. <laughs> That's the hope. That'll be a solid live service fighter that they'll try to make. <laughs> yeah. It'll last three months. Be good. All right, I'm switch over to some Discord questions real quick. Uh, would you like to see any other old 007 games make a return? Mm. They uh, suggest the world is not enough as one of them. It's a good one. I I, I have like the one. dumbest soft spot for 007 racing. <laughs> I I know that's like everybody hates that game, but they they released a 007 driving game where you do a different mission, and every mission you'd get a different stupid car that can like shoot missiles or oil slicks and stuff. Uh, and man, it, it was pretty much just a tech demo for the PlayStation One. But I somebody gave me that disc scratched up as a kid, and I managed to polish it off enough to barely work, and I loved it. I would love that game to come back with some Forza graphics. Was that the blue N64 <laughs> cartridge? World is not enough. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's what I want. Yep. Uh, I I liked uh, Quantum of Solace. That was running on like I think it was running on the Call of Duty engine or something. And yeah. I think they, Treyarch did it. Yeah. It was we, it was a good one. We occasionally have people come through the store who brought up that it just felt like Call of Duty, but with 007. Yeah. That Maybe good. that's why I like. Sounding. Yeah. I actually I liked what was it Nightfire. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's a good one too. I like the one on the 360 that Bizarre made. I think it's Bloodstone. It had Dan Daniel Craig was the Bond on yes. the cover. Yes. I like that because the driving aspects in the game reminded me of Project Gotham. And I think mm. it's actually the last game Bizarre Creations made. Oh, yeah. You're right. I think I have that game. That sounds good as hell. I've never played it. It's not bad. What kind of fanboy slash hater do you get called the most? I get, I get called Xbox hater constantly. I get a, Even called a bold beta cuck all the time or whatever yeah <laughs> well pe people will get mad at like whatever my most recent video is like i i made a video saying i didn't like the uh stupid 200 playstation 5 controller there was like huge threads of playstation people saying that i'm trying to destroy sony and i'm like i don't know what to tell you buddy i'm i'm a guy filming in his bedroom i don't know what i'm talking about there's a lot of people I mean, on the xbox sorry now go ahead yeah I mean, I'm called an X-Bot if I say something good about Microsoft. I'm called a Sony Pony if I say something good about the PlayStation. I'm called a Nintendo fanboy if I like Nintendo one week. So apparently I'm a fanboy and a hater of every single thing. Yep. Yeah, tide goes in, thing. tide goes out, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. you, you say one thing critical of, of a hardware maker and 
all of a sudden you're shilling for the competition. Yep. Sunrise, sunset. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I guess we'll move over since there's been a lot of anticipation, you know, as every single time this happens. But the Nintendo Direct rumored for uh, you know this week, this coming week. Hmm. Yeah. So mentioned by Jeff Grubb and Giant in the uh, Giant Bomb podcast. Uh, there's just been a lot of things kind of pointing it out. Uh, so what do we what do we think? I guess for do I, we I think can, do we think it's happening? Make the segment oh. short. <laughs> Go nuts, Nate. <laughs> there's a direct this week. Damn. Oh, nice. Well, cool. I, I I'd only seen some of the rumors, and one of the rumors that that got me excited was read I the heard Hawk read the note I put in there, Evan. What, oh, <laughs> Nate might know. Yeah. <laughs> I I think it's it's a little asterisk, so I was gonna hold off. <laughs> the the two rumors I've heard floating around on Twitter was that, uh, uh, of course, Tears of the Kingdom gameplay, which I'm excited about, <laughs> and apparently retailers have been told that. Uh, advanced wars might show up so it sounds like maybe advanced wars will be a shadow drop at the direct which i think would be cool well yeah there was that one retailer leak where he said they had cardboard stuff but that, like that didn't seem right yeah, they in the era of cell phones they also conveniently didn't have a <laughs> cell phone to take a picture of the sign they didn't even run by it at high speed yeah. so oh yeah blurry. here it is i tripped yeah. as i took the picture photo. couldn't even get potato quality oh does that mean metroid <clears throat> right after jeff grubb cut his hair Metroid they, will not Nintendo's be there. that revenge. They made him shave his head like Samson. <laughs> will they show four? Will they just talk about the remake stuff? Hmm. None of those timing. Things. None of those things are happening. <laughs> Metroid. What do we? Why do we think it's all, all of a sudden going to make an appearance? How do they deal with Advance Wars? Do they just show it? I don't think. I don't think Advance Wars is a shadow drop. I. I think it's the April game because, like, we we kind of we know what you know March has and 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 May. I feel like April last year, April was supposed to be Advance War, so mm -hmm. I think they're just going to slot it in for one April year, this one year. year delay. Yeah, yep. They just show the trailer and just go finally coming or something. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think they say finally April. coming. I think I, I think they're just going to date it and be like, <laughs> here it is. I'm yeah. excited for that game. I think in a <laughs> weird way, that year delay has finally built up my appetite. Where I was like, man, I do kind of just want a Game Boy Advance game on my Switch right now. That sounds freaking fun as hell. Yeah. Uh, Nate made that easy. Yeah, I guess we can just. <laughs> I, I will say, if if Metroid Prime, just to add some filler to this this fun topic, I think if if Metroid Prime is there, uh, the remaster or the remake or whatever the the Metroid Prime re-release mm -hmm. is going to be, I am super curious about that. Just because I feel like we keep getting really good remakes, so now I'm always curious of like what kind of remake is this going to turn into. Yeah, but do they really put it out if they're just doing the tears stuff? Like this could just be the big tears push. I, like, I even that sounds great to me. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be the interesting thing about this direct is that it's going to set the tone for Nintendo's 2023. If the show comes in and let's just say it's mid, then you're going to have a lot of expectation that we're going to have a summer direct, be it in June <laughs> or September, that's going to deliver even, you know, more quality. If the February direct sets a high bar and it details 2023 in a more full state, then you can kind of go towards that June direct expectation and maybe say, hey, maybe we're going to get a partner direct instead of an additional June general direct. So it's going to be interesting how Nintendo approaches the first direct of the what, year. Wait, how many farming games? Hopefully Three not. Minimum? It's going to be at least one. Metroid Farmers. It'll be good. <laughs> I'd play that actually. I would. Yeah. Well, the announcement maybe it, ahead of their it, financials. It'd be like Slime Rancher, just with the little tiny brain things. It'd be great. Oh yeah, the Metroids. It'd be cool. <laughs> like Monday announcement maybe before they're in financials or Tuesday. Uh, I think it would. I think it would come after the financials. And what happens if it doesn't get announced? Or are we just going to make fun of you on the next show? If or? there stay, isn't, but stay off the internet that day. Yeah. Cut It'll your be, hair, Nate. Throw the digital smoke yeah, bomb cut, and vanish. Be a cut your hair. <laughs> cut your hair, Nate. I do you need a haircut. It's been about a year. Prove it. <laughs> yeah, no. show us. Show us. <laughs> I was about, you know, we've been talking to Nate for like six or seven years, and we have no idea what this guy looks like. It's it's insane. It's true. Jordan does. Well, do we? Yeah, Fringe does. And MVG wow. has that picture of him, right? Yep. I got that <laughs> picture of him. You got a picture of me? I don't know. I'm just I'm making shit up. I'm just going. Like, <laughs> what is this? 
I saw I saw it together. I saw it. Oh yeah, and BG and I did take a picture together. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, in, in Australia when you came and visit. Yeah, yeah. that's right. It's because he does that. I do. All right, it's, all right. Nate, Nate just made that super quick. I guess. Uh, right. uh, I guess on 2023, what's your wildest prediction that you think will happen in 2023? Metroid Prime Four. <laughs> you you just said it. none of that's happening. <laughs> I mean, it's a wild prediction, right? I said it this direct. I didn't say this year. F Zero, F Zero GX. I I'm gonna make a negative prediction. Uh, I think that that uh, Nintendo's got not a lot in the pipe. I think that uh, they're gonna hype up Tears of the Kingdom, and I think we'll probably get Pikmin Four, and then they're gonna shut up and fade into the darkness. And I think I think in a weird way, I think Xbox is gonna kill it this year. It seems put like couple, Xbox already taking their victory lap. Put a couple indie directs out and just oh, be just like, wild. Hopefully yeah. you like it. Wild speculation in general. Mega Man, Mega Man X Nine. X Nine. All right. Um... <laughs> That's not Final specul- Fantasy Nine remake, dreams, John. That's ho- that's hopes and dreams. That's not speculation. Hang on, Nate said Final Fantasy Nine remake, and he oh, said it fi- with he Final said it with confidence. He said it with the confidence. Final Fantasy Nine remake gets shown and releases before the end of the year, but writing this down somehow yeah, it's not the it. remake we want. This is episode three hundred four. So yeah, there there's been so many. I've been looking at all those leaks about the Final Fantasy IX remake. It, it definitely, in my opinion, I think it exists. There's like animators that were shown during like a studio tour, and they're like, "Here's our next project," but we can't talk about it. And it's clearly Final Fantasy IX. Better so, X Nine yeah. on the RE engine. Whoa! Damn. All right, that could actually be cool. Oh. And then we got one uh, possible, I guess, for MVG. Why are there so few games where a ref- where reflections are visible in a mirror silent hill 2 managed it it's just processing um it, it isn't it, it it's nine times out of ten it's a trick right where it's practically yeah, just rendering two games next to each other in a, a small room right or it's just a cube map or something like that but like most of the time it's kind of yeah silent hill did it because um awesome. i mean the playstation 2 had some really good tech and super fast fill rates so they could kind of get away with stuff like that back then um but like i'm not saying fill rates are bad these days but like it's one of those additions, I think, that a lot of developers just don't really bother with because it does eat up a lot of processing um, yeah, to do wanna, it properly. And you if you look blow at your if you, mind, well, looking at those Silent Hill two videos where they remove the fog and show you how the game works outside of that, oh, yeah, it's so cool. Just watching like, it load in. <laughs> when we when we used to play like Warzone and stuff, you'd go into the bathroom and you see the mirror with like the <laughs> shitty cube map like mirror. You know, like it's just most of the time it's just a trick. That saves on processing power. All right. This will, yeah, we'll go over to. So next up, we've got the reports from IGN talking about E3 and the fact that none of the three bigs are going to be there. So yeah. How convenient! John doesn't have a voice when it came time to show the receipts. <laughs> Nate, yeah. so, Nate was right. <laughs> he'll grovel next week. I saw those comments in the last week's episode calling John petty. So. With Sony not being there, we expect, right? They they just haven't cared in like the yeah. longest time. They haven't no cared. I'm still shocked. I just figured they'd show up again eventually, and I think this shows they won't. They're never coming back. And then uh, Microsoft, there was a report from VGC talking about how they're just going to be across the street. Now, historically, that was like, if you had the E3 badge, you could go in. But yeah. I think we've been talking about the possibility that they're just like, nah, you, you got to pay to get into this one or you got to do something different to get into our little show across the street so even though they're kind of there they're they're not really there that's what it sounds like to me yeah because i mean yeah, yeah pre- previously yeah you could use your badge to get into the microsoft theater but i mean it sounds like this is going to be a completely separate thing where people are just going to pay to to attend it nintendo was the last holdout right because they actually had a booth that would be themed yeah mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. But but then on on Max's uh point when or fearful prediction, I guess, uh the fact that they don't have anything, I guess is the thing that people are pointing to as to why they don't feel like spending millions of dollars to have a booth when what are they going to show? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's been, yeah, it's the report going around that they'll have a light second half year, but it's important to note that what Nintendo will have in the second half, it comes down to whether or not they think june would be the proper time for not even just to demo them but are the games that they're going to release really worth investing millions of dollars to build the booth rent the space and such 
And for them, the answer is simply no, it's not worth it at the time. And for the last three years, we haven't had an E3 with the boots and Nintendo has thrived. They still invite media to do demos at their headquarters. They can still get the coverage out. They have the Nintendo Direct initiative. The time of E3 with the with the lavish boots and stuff is simply a relic of the past at this point. There's no need to invest that type of money. And with the oncoming recession and fears of recession, companies aren't going to invest tens of millions of dollars into just a marketing spectacle for what the hype of the fan at home. Yeah, I agree. Maybe. I mean, sorry, Max, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm still. I'm still so sad about it because honestly, it, it was such a fun hype cycle. You know, it, it the mm -hmm. fact that it was just like the the fun. Here's a big display. Here's people physically walking around in Breath of the Wild environment and stuff. Behold I, I feel the like, three hour long lines. Yeah, I'm sad that that we're not going to get that back. I mean, because I don't think it's ever coming back. So it does it, feel weird that we've just turned that corner. Yeah, there's different things about E3 that make that interesting because, I mean, initially it used to be just a trade show, right? Um, and then when they started letting the public in, it was almost like a way for the gaming in, video game industry to kind of legitimize itself as a big player that can compete right next to the movie business as, look, you know, this is this is video games. We're, we're not fucking around here. This is serious business. You know, we, we make millions of dollars and we make lots of really cool games. And, you know, we invite anyone that wants to share, you know, what we do uh with everyone and i feel like that's kind of run its course now especially now that video games like generate so much money um that you know and the industry is making so much money as a collective that there's really no reason to have these kind of traditional e3 shows anymore and i feel like a lot of that is you know just old relics of the past and and a lot of the industry has now moved on the other thing i wanted to mention about e3 is nate and i were talking about about this before we recorded our Nate the Hate. But one of the things that I think is interesting, and I always think about this as a developer, is that I think um, traditionally, you know, studios would take their time out to prepare some type of vertical slice or a demo or something to show off at E3, right? So, you know, the the gamers could um, go to on make, the floor. Make sure it and, doesn't and, blow up yeah, in front of people. And start playing them. And I think nowadays that concept is just doesn't make any sense anymore because you're literally wasting two, three months of development time preparing a very well curated E3 kind of demo presentation, whatever it is, playable experience. And because games take such a long time to build, you know, three, four, five years, you're taking so much time out of developers kind of, you know, roadmaps. So I feel like a lot of them are just like, we don't want to deal with this. We just want to keep our heads down and just focus on what we're building um and and not worry about it you know i think i think those things really just are things of the past where in the in the age of you know millions and millions of dollars in game development and many many years of of time it just doesn't make sense anymore i feel like and i, I think it's also important to note that fans and the community really aren't losing anything in this case. You're still gonna get presentations from Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo around June, be it, you know, Sony could do a state of play in May, Microsoft can do their showcase in June, Nintendo could do a general or a partner direct whenever they want in June. You're still gonna get the announcements that get you excited. And as far as we can tell, companies are still attending E3, be it, you know, some of the third-party publishing companies. So meetings will be taking place. Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft can meet with these publishers. They can still talk about games and development. And that's the important thing, is that the industry can still have those in-person meetings at this centralized time and place. It's just going to be that hype and seeing the boots and all that stuff that's going to be lost. But if that's going to be the trade-off for the industry to kind of refine itself and maybe next year when Repop has more time to really flesh things out maybe then we'll see nintendo or microsoft consider returning but with the recession and such going on you can see why these companies are saying we can't justify that type of money in a marketing budget at the at this time but in a year things can change so i don't think 2023 and the lack of attendance from these three companies is necessarily like a doom case scenario. I think it's just time and place and it's just wrong time. Yeah. 
So without the big three showing, we don't think there's anything compelling that might pull people in or maybe get them to think like, I do want to still go to E3 without it. Or it would just be like that cultural, I guess, journey as a gamer to be like, I went there even though no one was here. Do you think there'd be something at the show? <laughs> like, would it just be, walk, would this be the I first E3 in. where you walk in and there's no lines and you're like, oh, sweet. But then you realize they go to nothing <laughs> anyway. Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess it may depend on what third party companies are going to be there, what indie companies. I'm kind of treating it as maybe like a paxed LA where you're going to have some good stuff on display. It's just not going to be the Mecca that it once was. Yeah. All right. All right. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll roll over to some more discord cues. Uh, what's the deal with Microsoft removing dozens of 360 games and DLC from the store? I think that they got corrected. I think it was just a mistake, right? Well, I uh, think the, the, the May the thing was a mistake. February yeah. 7th is accurate. Oh. That initial list of games that were, were were being sunset is still is still a thing, as far as I know. Um, what's the deal with it? Yeah, I mean, apparently, supposedly on the list, like Mass Effect Two is on there, but not one and three or something. Like, honestly, oh. if it's not licensing related, which I think some of them are, um, a lot of them are probably just you know we have an updated version of that game, um, so you can play Mass Effect with the, the kind of the remaster anyway, but. Some of them are a little strange to me as well, like why they're removing them now. But like a game like Daytona, like there's advertising, you know, in Daytona. So I feel like that is something that is 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 a reason for it. But the good news is, I mean, if there's if there's any good news out of it, is you can still if you purchase them, you can still um, play them on your Xbox One and Series systems. So you don't lose them forever. But I guess it still still sucks though. I guess my question to you mvg on this and i don't know if you'd have the answer is that if the games from the 360 marketplace have migrated to the new store that has xbox one and series x titles where microsoft has seemed to unify their storefront mm -hmm. if i can buy those 360 games on that i can access them on my old 360 why haven't they transferred all of the 360 games regardless of backwards compatibility to this unified storefront I mean, that, that's that's the million dollar question I, I i couldn't answer that i don't really know why honestly like, um yeah i just yeah. wonder what roadblock there would be preventing that migration i i couldn't say yeah there, there's something i feel like there's a, a, a x factor element here that we're not really mm -hmm. understanding as far as why they're doing this but yeah it does suck that that this is happening all right. Uh, and what is your opinion on xCloud streaming nowadays? Have you guys gone back and tried it? Is it Does it seem to be like a little better or much better than it was? Or is it still just like decent? So I actually have an experience with this. Um, when I went on the road uh, last year for Thanksgiving and I took my laptop with me, I played Pentiment over xCloud. It was perfect. Um, and that's the kind of game that I think is is suited for like xCloud. It's it's slow moving, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's that kind of game. Right. But I also ended up trying, um, another game it was a first person game. I th oh, that's right. I was playing, um, a plague tale as well on xCloud and that was just terrible. So for me, I feel <laughs> yeah. like it's the timing and, and stealth in that game. And to be ridiculous. fair, you know, I, I was on like hotel Wi-Fi, so I wasn't on a good connection for anything, but I think in general, the technology is decent, but you still have to rely on a pretty good internet connection if you want to play you know, first person style games. But if you want to play 2D games or a game like Pentiment or so, something, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty good for, for something like that, actually. All right. We'll get into the, uh, the last topic here. Try to close it out with a couple of Discord cues at the end. So PS5's financial report showing the big gains year over year, apparently. Uh, 7.1 million PS5 consoles shipped in quarter three, which is October, November, December of 2022. 50% gain on sales revenue, 25% gain on operating income. And apparently they raised their forecast for the fiscal year to 19 million, up from 18. Uh, currently in quarter four of fiscal year, January, February, March. And then, yeah, another 6.2 million would need to sell. Uh, seems to be relying heavily on the Hogwarts Legacy, PSVR 2, and RE4 and all that. And uh, will the PS5 end up outselling the PS4 lifetime by the end of the generation? <clears throat> Still roughly 5 million behind. 
It's still really good. I mean, their growth is kind of insane in general. I I did a video talking about those uh, numbers because it was just, honestly, I'm impressed by the PS5 sales spike. I'm also curious because they said that uh, 30% of the people buying the PlayStation 5 never owned a PlayStation 4 or even played the PlayStation 4, which shows, I think that's showing that a lot of people like newer gamers are jumping on PlayStation. How do, they, how do they get that data though? I think it's people. I assume it's people creating first time accounts. First time accounts. Yeah. Like if you've yeah. ever played PlayStation, you would have an account. So, so, so all those bot accounts that um, <laughs> exactly that are like, Hey, um, how you doing? You know, those ones, like they all first time accounts. First we, we time accounts. I, yeah. I assume it's got to be like those people when you create, when you turn on your PlayStation 5 or your Series X for the first time and it asks you to log in, I guess it's probably counting the people who make a new account upon a console buy. But I think my theory is that it seemed like a lot of people bought the Nintendo Switch who had never gamed before or had not gamed in a long time. It felt like Nintendo Switch activated a lot of non-gamers. Uh, and I think PlayStation 5's marketing has been so strong that a lot of people who have had a, a, a Switch for five years probably were like, oh, you know, I'll see what the PS5's about. I think those people jumped over. I mean, for me, it's always been about the games. Um, you know, they've got Wolverine, they've got Spider-Man 2. I mean... I, yeah, I do think it's probably going to. I think it's going to be. I think they are going to overtake PS4 numbers eventually. Um, but right now, given the last couple of years and the difficulties in trying to get consoles to people in general, I think it's it's been pretty strong for them, and I, they'd be pretty encouraged with with what they what they've what they've seen with their marketing numbers or their sales numbers. Yeah, they're going to have a really, couple of years. When you factor in the shortages the economic uncertainties and such for it to be that close to PlayStation four worldwide numbers is impressive. You can't take away the achievements that the PlayStation five has, you know, hit at this point as for if it will hit the PlayStation four, it's really going to come down to the Western markets. And if the U S and Europe continue to stick with the PlayStation five, I don't know if the PlayStation 5 will necessarily hit the sales figures of PlayStation 4 in Japan because it doesn't seem as though Sony is prioritizing Japan when it comes to hardware shipments. They have been increasing as the supply kind of booms for them, but it's still minimal. I think this past week they sold 51,000 PlayStation 5s in Japan, which is among some of the highest. It'll be telling highest. when Final Fantasy comes out. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, Final Fantasy 16 will be a very telling moment, if especially if they pivot and ship a lot of units to the region for that. So if, let's say PlayStation 5 can open north of 150,000 units when Final Fantasy 16 hits. That's promising. Mm -hmm. But the Western performance has been admirable. And, you know, they're showing a lot of growth. And that's largely because production has caught up. They have systems to put on shelves. And if they can keep this up, there's no telling what the PlayStation 5 is going to do this year. It looks as though Sony's going to have maybe a slow year in terms of Sony published output for first-party titles. But Spider-Man 2 is a mammoth release. It's going to sell tens of millions of copies. It's going to move a lot of hardware. They're building a nice evergreen library. God of War Ragnarok goes to Tsushima. Uncharted 4, Lost Legacy. There's a lot of games that people can already third, revisit and third get Third-party marketing is too. Resident Evil yeah. 4 and uh, Hogwarts Legacy. Big mm -hmm. titles for marketing. Silent Hill 2. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Final Fantasy 16. They're going to lean on those third-party timed exclusives in 2023, and that's going to drive in a lot of people. And it almost has shade of the PlayStation 2 era mm. at this point. The the hardware expansion for PSVR 2, though, we don't think that would really push it. That's more about people who already have it who are interested yeah. in VR. Like, that wouldn't yeah. push consoles. No, I don't think anyone's yeah. out there who's looking to buy a PlayStation 5 for VR2. It's a companion piece if you already own the hardware. Not bad. Like I said, going over to the Discord queues. No one, nothing yeah. else for the, the financials. Well, uh, on Max's point, actually, from I the Discord queues. I but I got a health bar for my throat, so. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, need, we need you back tomorrow, because it's going to be a weird it. edit. 
but yeah, on Max's point about the new gamers, we did have a Discord queue based on Sony's financial report. How many PlayStation 5 owners do you think are completely new to gaming? I mean, we, you brought up the idea of, uh, I guess, the Switch bringing people in and then moving upward, I guess, to another system later on. Uh, do we think that's even like a number we could probably discern from those, what they've released? I mean, it's hard to say. I, I think there is a lot of new gamers, but I think it's always about... I like the term that you said, escalation, because that's the way it feels like. Because I bet a lot of people, almost everybody works on a computer now or has a computer. So I bet a lot of people probably start with like indie games on Steam or Cookie Clicker, Stardew Valley. And then they're like, oh, well, let's see how good graphics can be. And hard marketing pushes like God of War Ragnarok are getting them into it. So I feel like the actual completely new gamers starting with PlayStation 5, I would be shocked if it's above like 5%. <laughs> All right. Uh, another Discord queue. What new and returning features would you like to see in Spider-Man 2? Uh, new feature. There's there's talks that it's going to have co-op. I think by far that's my biggest hype. Uh, the new teaser they released a couple days ago was for uh, uh, show to both the Spider-Man swinging around at once. So I do think it's going to have co-op. And honestly, I think that would be the coolest of all of be, Spider-Man be a little, with a friend. Be a little like a 3D separation anxiety with the whole Venom type situation yeah. in the background. It'd be nice. Or or if the boss fights fundamentally play different, if there's two players, which games have done in the past, of not just doubling health bars, but maybe give us more enemies. I mean, it, symbiote making extra minions or something. I don't know. I think that should make it like Elden Ring where there's just like, there's no difficulty settings. You just just level up and get your ass get, kicked until... Get your ass kicked until you can figure out how to beat the game. Put put points into stats not knowing really what they do <laughs> yep. at first. Yep. Just accidentally stumble upon Venom early in the game. He just destroys mm -hmm. you. That's right. But you can, you can, you can skip around him, you know, and, and fight the lesser bosses and stuff and come back. <laughs> I support this. I like that idea. <laughs> Soul Spider. Uh, people, hair, people hail Pierre Hines uh, for fixing the Master Chief collection, but Halo 2 is still broken. I can't get through co-op campaign on PC without the game crashing literally 100% of the time. Does anyone in the cast know a fix or mods for this game? Halo 2? Apparently, yeah. According to him, Halo 2 just crashes all the time when he plays it. On PC? I mean, I would, on just, PC specifically. I would just get the just, OG version play that. Just, just <laughs> uninstall. It's a better version. <laughs> I haven't had issues on the Xbox, so I don't know. All right. Who's ready for Hogwarts Legacy? It's one of the questions. I'll check it out this week, but I, I, I was going to check it out as someone who doesn't know much about Harry Potter and just see it as a game. I, 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 I think there's a lot of rose-tinted glasses for Harry Potter, so yeah, I'll just look at it as someone who's just, okay, this is a game, so we'll see how this is. There's been some leaked gameplay going around that looks really bad, so I've decided not to buy it. And also, I, I honestly hated the last couple, those uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Like, all the new Harry Potter movies have just been so terrible that I'm just like, eh, they're, they're really weirdly bad. They're, like, really bad. So that kind of made me be like, all right, even if this game is great, I don't think I care. The wand shoots I'm magic. Not, That's all I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not playing Harry Potter because... I have zero interest in it. Simple go. as that. Yep, same. Yeah, I have no yeah. love or care me. or knowledge of Harry Potter. So, so I'm just I, I played Saints Row and I played Forspoken. You're and... just on a trend of bad <laughs> games. Have you beaten any of those games? Yeah, I beat Saints Row. You did? Yeah, yeah. I told you about the jet ski moment with DMX and everything. Oh, that's right. End. That's, that's the yeah. highlight of the game. <laughs> I'm, I'm like eight hours into Forspoken, so... You know, Forspoken. That's what DMX did it to your voice too. <laughs> you start fighting like a golem and just X go and give it to you. It's like, holy shit, this game's it, awesome now. Yeah, it would make that game better. <laughs> I'll give have it any a of you, shot. I will. Have any of you read the Bloodborne book series? No. There's books. Mm -mm. But I was at a, a tabletop game store the other day and I saw a Bloodborne board game. Do you guys yeah. know about this? I is do. it okay? Is it a Bloodborne board game or is it uh, another board game themed in Bloodborne. That happens a lot. I will send you the photos I took of this, and you can tell I me. I think I think it's like Jumanji when it's you like start Blood, Bloodborne Monopoly you. or something. No, I don't think so. I wasn't Bloodborne seen, Monopoly. Candy I've Mountain, seen that Bloodborne in VG. Themed. I've seen that, and I've seen the Dark Souls 
board game and i've i've heard both of them are kind of bad they're like it's not just that they're hard it's that they're just not very playable board games mm. which is weird i recently played the the resident evil 2 and resident evil 3 board games and they're brilliant they're so good they're shocking and uh i'm John, you've got a ruined voice. I don't know how much you can elaborate on this. Can Spawn elaborate on his Switch treadmill usage? The, the Switch is on the treadmill. I walk, and I display Joy-Cons, and then I just play stuff. <laughs> I, I did yeah. that. I love that. Usually I play, uh, I do Slay the Spire, because every run of Slay the Spire takes an hour. I'm so playing Fire Emblem. So 13 hours on it so far, so. I just play it when I'm on the treadmill. That's a treadmill game. Yeah, did it today might, that, that might actually just be a whole bloodborne game i don't know i'll have to take a look at it <laughs> but yep that's all the discord cues it's all the topics i know i think nate's got to get moving here but uh so let's just let's take it out uh nate where can everyone find you you can find me on youtube at nate the hate <laughs> and on twitter at nate the hate followed by the number two right now mvg and myself have an episode going over our predictions for nintendo in 2023 Will Metroid Prime 4 show up? Could we see a price drop? Will Nintendo Selects make a return? F-Zero? Find out in the episode, and we will have an episode next week with the possibility of two. Did you tell people there's a Direct in your podcast? I said by the time you're listening to this episode, a Direct will air in the next couple of days. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> All right. MVG, where can they find you? You can find me... On Twitter at Modern Vintage G and YouTube Modern Vintage Gamer, did a video about uh, Dolphin on the Xbox with the new user interface. Uh, there is, can't really talk about it yet, but there are some really cool updates coming out with the Series S with emulation. Mm. Uh, so check out the channel because um, there's some things happening. Thanks for having me on. All right, Max? Uh, YouTube.com slash Dreamcast Guy. Uh, I reviewed a bunch of games recently, including Forspoken, Dead Space. Go watch that. I have some big reviews coming up uh, here this month. I'm getting dental surgery on Monday, so oh, I'm not sure. That there might be less videos next week. We'll see how much I can talk. Exciting. I'm scared. Right. I'm scared out of my mind. <laughs> no, I don't. You'll be I have fine. Some stuff. You'll be all right. It'll be fine, man. Let's clap it up oh, for yeah. Evan. Let's clap it up for Evan. Hosted. Hell yeah. Did good. Yeah, good job, good Evan. Job, you can find me doing these or editing Newswave or on my own channel. Yeah, check, it, check out your channel. You got some cool stuff going on there. Specifically tabletop games, if you're interested. Right now, it's Kill Team. So if you're interested in the Games Workshop, Kill Team Games. I've been trying to post mm. stuff there. And then, of course, John at right here, Spawnwave Media. Hopefully with a voice on we'll uh, Monday morning. We'll see. It'll be like this. I'll just be like Snake or Steve-O. I'll, I'll voice him over for the next one. It'll be great. He'll just. It'll seem a little weird. I can use this speaking spell. That would actually be spell. hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, right. I'll just lip sync and Evan just talk. Yeah, and I was just like, oh. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>